after all of the lifestyle stuff, all of the general advice, last time outs podcast of when you're going through hell, keep going, and all of the psychological stuff, I figured, you know what? Maybe it's actually not a bad idea for me to do a podcast based on dieting. Because, hell, that's how this whole journey started. A lot of my stuff focuses more on the psychological side of things because arguably, once you've got the simplistic nature of a caloric deficit sorted out, the bit that's going to screw you over is the squidgy bit between your ears. So hence, let's focus on the biggest issue. But that squidgy bit between the ears is easily misled. And so today very carefully to avoid using specific names for specific brands as best I can, I'm going to tell you why the diet you're following is shit and why it needs to change if you actually want to see not only results in the first place, but sustainable results. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 81 of the Moyes Health Podcast. As always, I hope you've been enjoying the previous episodes. There's a litany to choose from and something I must highlight at this point. I designed these episodes to not be chronological, with the exception of a couple of back-to-back episodes. So although I sometimes make reference to previous episodes, etc., you really don't need to follow the specific 81 episodes in chronological order. Pick a topic, pick a title, find an episode that works for you. And you know what? If you end up listening to all of them, great. But if not, pick one which works for you. And you know what? There's no harm in revisiting it either, as mentioned in episode 80. And I must also stress and say thank you to all of you because... Yesterday, I say yesterday, sorry, Monday morning, it's Wednesday now, I woke up to an amazing email from Podbean, my podcast hosting provider thing, uh, and it was to say that we have surpassed 10,000 downloads. So I just want to say a massive thank you to all of you that listen to these podcasts. I'm well aware that the vast majority of you don't speak up and let me know what you thought of these episodes. Hell, sometimes you may not even get to the end because you're either sick of the sound of my voice or it's a topic that just doesn't interest you or you maybe you know maybe you're just not in the fucking mood for me that day and that's absolutely fine i want these to be a resource for you that you can refer back to at any point and so whether you're using them today tomorrow or two to five years from now i just want to say a big thank you and hopefully they can help you be it change your life even in the smallest way anyways your diet's shit so we better get into it Okay, so there's a lot to cover. There's a lot of diets out there and more than I'm going to mention because there's pretty much a diet for every day of the year. So I'm going to touch on the main well-known ones and to be fair, by grouping these diets into particular categories, it's hopefully going to make things a little bit more digestible Um, because amongst all these diets, You've got, in essence, the restriction diets, you've got the belief diets, you've got the budgeting diets, you've got the points-based systems, um, and then you've kind of got the, I guess, the the counting diets or the ones that are a little bit closer to the actual science. So I'm not going to give them formal categories because there are nuances between them where lines are blurred and all that lot. But we're just going to talk general dieting and the traditional measures of reducing body fat because if you're new here (laughs) there is a podcast on dieting 101 by the way but if you are new here um then essentially 
the way that we reduce body fat is by restricting calories. It's the only way. The fundamental scientific principle that needs to be applied is a caloric restriction in some way, shape, or form. Your body requires a certain amount of energy per day. We measure that energy in the form of calories. And if you don't give your body enough energy, it still needs that energy, so it turns to itself. It consumes its reserves to make up that deficit. Now, those reserves are muscle and fat, and to give a slight more nuance, uh, essentially, if you work your muscles, your body's more likely to leave them alone for an energy source and burn body fat. But there's a little bit more intricacy to it than that, but that's basically the headlines. That's how we enable fat loss. So, stepping off from the foothold, every single diet I'm about to mention, if used for a fat loss capacity, which is kind of where this podcast is coming from, must adhere to that principle. And regardless of what the diet says for you to do, the procedures it tells you to follow, the reason why it will or won't be successful in the form of reducing your body fat is because of the caloric deficit behind the shroud that is the marketing, the approach, etc. You with me? You got that? Cool. Now that's out of the way. Let's get into why all of these diets are shit. And this is not just coming from a biased, please buy my program kind of perspective, because yes, please sign up to my programs because I would like to help people get them away from these diets. But also those programs are deliberately designed to be an avenue to get people away from these diets, not from a, I want that money instead of you getting that money, but for an avenue of actually giving you the tangible science so you can understand and basically do it on your own eventually should you need to reduce pounds in the future. Anyways, I've digressed long enough. Let's dig in. Well, as mentioned, to avoid any kind of backlash from a legal perspective, I am going to be very careful about the names that I use. Uh, but hopefully you, as a rational human being with experience, will know a rough idea of what I'm talking about. So first things first, we're going to touch on the restriction diets. Now, these are the diets which are changing your life in a very dramatic way from a perspective of restriction. They are putting rules in place, laws in place, as far as certain foods, food groups, etc. that you consume. So into this category, we can lump keto. We can go with what I'm going to call the Arundel diet, where you consume proteins, fats, uh, and no carbs as well. Um, probably guess what diet that is. Um, not going to go further than that. And then you've got things like the no sugar diet, etc., etc. They can all be grouped into this category, which essentially, like I said, the heading is restriction. You are telling yourself that you are not allowed these certain food groups. And obviously, by doing so, you're reducing a shitload of calories. But I'm going to leave that to the Fat Loss 101 podcast that I recorded a few weeks back. These diets, like I said, they work because of that reason, but they don't work long term because it's a temporary structure. Same with every diet I'm about to cover. The issue with all of them, you know, skipping to basically the end or the summary of this podcast, is they all put in place systems that you will not keep in place. Imagine moving your freaking house and moving everything you, you own, the, all the garden stuff, all the shit in the shed, all the stuff in the loft. Imagine going through all of the effort of moving all that stuff for a temporary location. Now, don't get me wrong, we've all done it, but my point is that for a diet to work, defining work, it needs to be something which not only loses the body fat, but keeps it off. What the fuck is the point in losing it if you're just going to have to go through all the rigmarole again? 
And the problem is when you suddenly reduce your your intake of foods that you actually enjoy, you know, I'm not going to have takeaways, I'm not going to have sugar, I'm not going to have carbohydrates, etc., etc. What ends up happening is you're creating a framework that you know damn well you're not going to stick to. So, yes, these diets work on paper. Yes, they work if you adhere to them. But how long are you going to adhere to them? Because you'll take all these things out of your diet, you'll create a deficit by removing a shitload of calories, and then you'll achieve the goal if you do actually achieve the goal because you haven't given up. Um, And then obviously, normal eating comes back into play. All the calories come back in, weight goes back up again, and repeat. That's not work in my mind. Now, the problem with, like I said, these diets is they don't step off from the means of which you mean to go forwards. They massively restrict your quality of life and put you in dieting. And I guess this is my main problem with diets. They are all based around this mentality of change your life immediately, make massive changes, overhaul, which we all know is not sustainable in the long term. Everybody jumps on a diet because they want to feel better. Whether it's from a confidence perspective or any of the millions of different reasons why people want to change their physique, health, all that jazz, psychology. The fact is you want to feel better. You want your quality of life to be better. You're not going to make your quality of life better by going, oh, I can't go to that social event because it might have carbohydrates. I can't go to that social event because they're having fast food. I have to take a Tupperware along to every fucking place I go to because I can't possibly make selections off of the menu or what's available to me because it doesn't fit the framework of my fucking diet. You see the problem here? You're doing it for a reason of a better quality of life. So you're not going to achieve a better quality of life by having a shitter quality of life. We've got to start as we mean to go on. Anyways, next category. This is the belief diets. Now, this can be vegetarian, pescatarian. This can be, although I don't know why fucking chicken and fish are, in case you're unsure, by the way, pescatarian is you'll eat chicken and fish, but you won't touch anything else. I don't know why, what you've got against (laughs) the fish or what you've got against that fucking chicken. Uh, Someone had a cockerel, clearly, when you were growing up, which used to wake you up every morning because you're against the fish, you're against the chicken, but please leave the cows and all that alone. Anyways, my point is that this is the belief system diets. Veganism pescatarian, vegetarian, etc. These are diets based around uh, people's attitude towards animals. Most of the time, I must stress. And with these diets, I have no issue with any of the concepts behind them. I joked a second ago, but my point is I love animals. I'm in the same category as, as any vegan out there. I am a massive proponent of an animal's quality of life of on humanity and ensuring that these animals are respected. But I am also a big proponent and big believer of the natural cycle of things. Now, of course, it is not natural to stuff a cow into a blender. That's not how we used to do things, but technology has moved on. And I am a believer in humanely... um, I can't think of the right word. I don't want to say terminated or killed, but I'm, I am in the mindset of humanely ensuring that animals are there for our food in a way which doesn't cause them physical pain or discomfort or distress. Hence, you know, down to the simplistic thing of I will not buy caged hen eggs because it's like, let the fucking chicken be free. You see, I haven't got a problem with the chicken, but clearly you pescatarians do. 
I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, before you come at me. Uh, my point is that all of these dieting systems are based around belief. And I have no issue with beliefs. You know, that's what makes our society so rich. Granted, it started wars over the years and massive, many a dispute. But I have no issues with belief systems. Um, you know, I love the ethos behind these things. The problem is when they come into play as a proponent of fat loss. Because, again, the, the wood is missed through the trees. You're removing these animal products and therefore you're removing a decent amount of calories in the process. And so through doing that, you're creating a calorie deficit. The issue I have with this is that, again, you're not understanding the real reasons to why you're losing the body fat. You're pinning it all on specific foods. It's that analogy of these foods make you lose weight or help you lose weight. These foods make you gain weight. Now, of course, there are foods which are calorically dense, foods which are nutrient-dense and calorically light. But just by following one of these belief systems, I don't believe is a decent strategy for losing body fat. Be a vegan, be a vegetarian, be a pescatarian if it fits with your belief system. But please don't turn to these diets as a rule of thumb for fat loss. You know, oh, I want to lose some body fat, so I'm going to become vegan for a bit. That doesn't make sense. It's like, well, I want to get married, so I'm going to become Christian for a bit. Yeah, we've all been there, haven't we? <laughs> My point is that if you want to believe something, then believe it. Follow it through and, and do whatever you know helps you sleep at night and what's important to you. But don't use it as a system for fat loss because there's far simpler ways. If you want to become a vegan because of everything that it stands for, go for it. But don't do it simply because you want to reduce your body fat because there's easier ways of doing it. And there are more sustainable ways because once you've lost the body fat, if it's not a true kind of belief for you, then you're just going to bring this stuff back in again. And well, same as I said previously about the restrictive diets. Get where I'm coming from? So if you believe in the system and you believe in the, the cause, then go for it. Vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, etc. Go for it. But don't use it as a, as a, a viable option for fat loss because you're missing the point of these diets. And not only is there a better way for fat loss, but you're also defamating the reason that people follow these beliefs in the first place. So it kind of, it, it works on both sides of the coin. You know, you want to lose fat, there's better ways. And if you want to make a difference in terms of the animal, you know, animal community and, and animal cruelty, then follow it for that reason, not as a viable option for, for fat loss. Anyways, I digress. Next up, you've got the budgeting systems. Now, this is diets like 5-2 and fasting. There's a few more, but these are the main two. They both work, and to be honest, they're both very, very closely linked to, or not linked, what's the better way of putting it? They are very easily interloped, or eloped, I should say, into the system that I use, which is calorically tracking, calorically mindful, etc. Because the thing about these diets is they have got very helpful elements. Case in point, let's start with 5-2. Two days of either fasting or ridiculously low calories, and then you've got five days of normal eating. The net result of that is over the space of seven days, you are in a calorie deficit. So you've created a deficit and all you had to do was have two difficult days and then the other five are you know, relatively easy peasy. Uh, that's a very, very, very brief snapshot of 5-2, by the way. In terms of fasting, 
or intermittent fasting in some way shape or form it's a fancy way for skipping breakfast but fasting can be beneficial when used as a mindful intuition tool when i'm advising people to recognize true hunger signals case in point a lot of people get up in the morning they have breakfast purely because it's habit and they believe they should or because mr kellogg told them back in the 1920s it was the most important meal of the day the fact is that Calories are what's king over the space of a week, not just over the space of a day, and certainly not over the space of a morning. Fasting can be really helpful, not because of the intricacies of fasting when it boils down to things like ketones, etc., but as a tool to mindfully make a decision about whether you are hungry or not. If you wake up in the morning, you go, I'm not hungry, why would I eat? You can quote unquote fast until later in the day. Now, Both of these, like I said, have their merit, believe it or not. They both have usage in a normal and sustainable fat loss approach. But using them solely as a fat loss approach, I believe, is a a false economy. Because you're not going to spend the rest of your life having two very, very restricted days. You're not going to spend the rest of your life skipping breakfast because breakfast is one of the best meals ever invented. Uh, Have you seen pancakes and waffles? Have you had a bowl of Kellogg's Crunchy Nut with some ice-cold semi-skim milk lately? My point, hopefully, has been proven. Moving on to the next category, we've got the points-based systems. I don't need to mention the two names that have sprung to your mind with this system. I will, however, mention a couple of the issues I have with these systems. They do have their merits first and foremost. The recipes are quite good in some cases from both companies. I will also say that some of their ready meals are quite good. And I will say that as far as thinking a little bit more about your food choices, they do have merits there. See, I'm not all bad. But I will stress this. Firstly, a points-based system is fucking confusing and doesn't actually make any sense given the fact that there was already a very, very good system of understanding the energy your body uses in the form of calories. The points didn't need to come into play because it's not like calories are super complicated. So when you're bringing in something like a points-based system and there's already a system in place which is countable, That screams at me that the reason that system was brought in place was to make things a little bit more complex. Why would you make things more complex? Well, it sells, doesn't it? If you lock someone into a particular system, they are more likely going to rely on that system going forwards. That also brings me forwards to the free foods conundrum. There are no free foods, folks. Everything you consume has a caloric value attached to it, or at least most things, you know. Let's exclude things like ice. My point is that everything you consume has a caloric value, and therefore your body will use energy to digest that food, but it will also extract energy from it. Having a selection of free foods, which they say is designed to be foods which are satiating is a very, very easy road of not only confusing people that understand the science behind calories and how the body works, but also when they get to weigh-in day. In fact, I'm going to backstep a little bit. I can eat pasta 
with the best of them. I can absolutely go to fucking town on a bowl full of pasta. In fact, it's one of my favorite foods. Yet on a particular diet, I can eat as much pasta as I want because it's free. Now, pasta's quite calorically dense. Factoring in even a bowl of pasta into more of a calorie counting approach, most of you will will soon realize that it uses up calories pretty quickly. And if you're using up calories pretty quickly, you're more likely to go into either maintenance calories or a calorie surplus if you're chasing a calorie deficit, therefore meaning you're doing the complete opposite of what you started that approach to do. So having copious amounts of these foods that you can consume at will is only going to lead, for most people, into a stagnation of fat loss because, oh, I'm hungry, I'm going to have some pasta as a fucking snack. Now, again, there's nuances, but that's the headline. The issue with this approach as well is that depending on what you do with foods, their caloric value doesn't change. However, on some of these programs, for some reason, if you blend something as opposed to eating it solid, it's worse for you. Now, obviously, you're not expending the few select calories chewing, but aside from that, the caloric value remains the same. One banana, whether consumed as a banana or blended, is still the same fucking calories. Because, let's face it, by the time it hits your stomach, regardless of how you've eaten it, whether you've blended it or you've blended it in your own fucking mouth, in other words, chewed it, it's going to look the same if I was to cut your stomach open up and have a look at it. The other issue I have here as well is when the time comes to do the weekly weigh-in, not only is the person running that been given the absolute basics of training around nutrition, how the body works, etc. But if you don't see a result, they blame it on the fact that you perhaps didn't try hard enough or because you didn't buy their select products that they encourage you to or you didn't follow their rules. The onus is never on them, it's on you. Now, obviously, you've listened to a few episodes of this podcast, and I'm, you know, I am a proponent of of accepting when we fucked up, but I'm quite happy for people to accept when they fucked up when there is a clear scientific principle behind something that you're doing. But I feel it's a little bit unfair to say that someone didn't try hard enough when the method is flawed in the first place. You get to weigh-in day, you've spent the last three days eating plentiful amounts of free foods because I'm allowed them, and then you get to weigh-in day and you wonder why you've gained weight. See the issue here? So I guess in in a roundabout way, the issue I have with these diets is they are deliberately confusing. They are deliberately misleading from a perspective of the science is already there. The system is already there. Why are you changing the currency? And why are you putting in these completely non-scientific methods to achieve a result? Keep it simple, stupid. Don't complicate this shit and it's much, much easier to adhere to. And that brings me nicely on to a diet I'm going to call the Oxfordshire diet. Similar attitude towards this one. Based upon severe caloric restriction and based quite heavily around buy our shit ethos. In other words, do our diet 
use our products, you'll get results. Because thank you for paying your money to do our diet. Now pay some more money to buy our shit. And does it work? As I said previously, yeah, of course it does. Severe caloric restriction will do that to you. That was the easy way of getting a few pounds off your backside. The point is, is it actually teaching you anything? Is it is it anything like the diet that you're going to live there afterwards, regardless of if calories are gradually fed back in? No, it's not. Now, I'm going to be fair here because I'm going to judge the approach that I follow in this one as well, or at least the apps that I'm a proponent of. Counting apps and counting calories. They have their merits, as I've touched on previously. I'm not a fan of when these apps give you the option to add your steps in and your exercise in and give you calories back. Because firstly, that's a very dog-based system. You've been a good boy. You've done some exercise. Have a biscuit. The other part of that is you're relying quite heavily on the activity tracker on your wrists giving you true and accurate data of the calories that you've burnt during said exercise which these you know these trackers are known to be very optimistic in terms of your caloric burn plus they don't adjust in time with what you do and your body gets more efficient at exercise and the burning of calories as time goes on they rely very heavily on the accuracy which therefore makes them a little bit tricky Plus, the issue I have with them as well is let's say you have a day we don't move much and a day we don't exercise much. You only get the baseline calories, which on paper you could argue, well, surely that's a good thing. You've not done the work, therefore you don't get the calories. But it's thinking very much in a daily system. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I've had a day at home not doing too much, my hunger isn't lower. My hunger is higher because I'm bored. And there's habits at play. And yes, of course, we want to be mindful of what we do. And we want to ensure that we don't allow these, uh, you know, these hunger pangs and habitual eating regimes to run away with you. But I do feel that it is important to be a little bit sensible about the way that we attack this from a perspective of let's think more weekly so that you can undulate your calories accordingly. Now, I said a second ago that I'm going to throw my own program under the bus and I'm going to. For this next section because there is a massive flaw in the system of which I use. Firstly, I use those apps but I don't allow my clients to put exercise or steps into them. Those calories are already equated for in their caloric target and we look at things over the course of the week not over the course of day to day because again shit changes, weddings, birthdays and bar mitzvahs exist and so I'm a big believer in undulating calories not to mention I'm a big believer in undulating calories because welcome to a real world way of living some days you're hungry some days you're not the week before your period ladies you're gonna be quite peckish so I am a big believer in undulating calories accordingly with what your body is telling you and allowing yourself to elope living life normally into your program so that you can live and achieve Everybody loves to be a weekend warrior, so why not have some extra calories to play with and then adjust your calories during the week to balance things out. But the part I'm going to throw under the bus, this system relies heavily on an individual's integrity. Now, it's very easy to stuff someone on 1,200 calories and go, you know what, do your best to log. Doesn't matter if it's a little bit ambiguous. I'm not a fan of that because it's not really teaching you to own your shit. 
I'm not a fan of sticking to these apps as a long-term solution because you're not gonna spend the rest of your life tracking. I move my clients very much from a stricter approach whilst tracking over to then a bit more of a flexible approach whilst tracking to then a bit of a half and half approach. So we track part of the week and then not other parts of it. And then we work our way eventually to full on intuitive eating because after a time of tracking and understanding the caloric values of your regular foods and beginning to understand your diet more, you don't necessarily need to be that specific. But I normally tend to encourage to go down that road as people get closer to their ultimate goal i.e. when the need for a very specific and, I don't want to say aggressive, but decent deficit is important. As you get closer to maintenance, the last few pounds, the last few you know grams of fat, etc. that you want to get off you, uh, we can be a little bit more flexible with your caloric intake. After all, food labels can be 20 to 40% inaccurate anyway, so... So in essence, you're already dealing with a margin of error. And so I guess the system I implement is trying to reduce how many margins of error or how big that margin of error is. If you're already dealing with an uncontrollable margin of error from your logging from a food label accuracy perspective, we don't need to make that margin of error even bigger by not tracking a massive part of our diet. It's like when people say to me, they go, oh, I don't track my drinks and I don't track my snacks. Like, well, hang on a second. How the fuck do you know how many calories you're actually having then? Well done you. You're tracking your main meals. Your calories look great, but you're not dropping body fat. You're not dropping weight. So that would suggest to me there's more calories going in than you're accounting for. So like I said, an integrity method is very much needed. And this is where this system can fall short dependent on the individual. But I guess in a roundabout way, that brings me quite nicely to the biggest flaw, potentially, in anything you do, even if it is my program or my approach. You. The biggest thing that can affect the results that you get is you. The nuances that make you an individual, your personality, the way you conduct yourself, your integrity, your humility... All of these things will play a massive part, which is why so much of what I do is based around the psychology, because it's not as simple as going, do 1,200 calories per day, 10,000 steps, and three exercise sessions per week. Thanks very much. Because on paper, yeah, there's a calorie deficit for fucking most people. But sticking to it, and the undulation of your mood, attitude, mindset, on a day-to-day basis, changes. Not to mention life changes. It's very difficult to stick to something when you've got a lot of distractions going on, some of them horrific. So it's important to take everybody as an individual. But everybody has individual levels of integrity. Everybody's got individual levels of adherence. And this is why I coach. I don't just provide programs. Because by coaching, you get to know people. You get to know their individual character traits, the way that they conduct themselves. And so you coach accordingly based upon, firstly, what kind of approach from a coach does that person need? Do they need more of a a stern approach? Do they need more of a, a gentle kind of nudge? But then also you dig even deeper into it to understand someone's trigger points. Essentially, my job is an influencer, but not in the shitty social media welcome to 2022 kind of way. I mean the traditional influencer sense. My job is to help people implement strategies 
using a lot of what we've discussed in this podcast, you know, I touched on 5-2 fasting, etc. Implementing something like fasting could be the smoking gun with someone's fat loss. That could be the thing where they go, oh yeah, I'm wasting a shitload of calories in the morning. Brilliant. I now have 400 more calories, which was exactly how many I was going over per day. So brilliant. I've got 400 more calories to spend in the evening. I can easily adhere to my diet now. Wow. Look how fucking fast I'm losing body fat. But again, sometimes people can miss the wood through the trees. Hence why I have a job. (laughs) So the reason why your diet is shit in summary because it's a diet, because you are doing things based on a temporary structure, you're doing things as a means to an end, you're missing the reason you gained the weight in the first place, because of the way you conducted yourself, your habits, your routines, your attitude, your relationship with food, your relationship with activity, your relationship with your own body, your relationship with your own mind, your exercise, or lack thereof in some cases. Point is that if we don't look back, we can't move forwards. We must look at the reason we've gained in the first place because all of the clues, all of the issues that we need to solve to ensure that we not only lose, but ensure that loss remains, i.e. we sustain the weight that we've got ourselves down to, the health that we've got ourselves to, we need to understand all of the errors that led to the gain in the first place. There's a million and one different strategies to lose the body fat in the first place, to improve our health in the first place. But if those strategies are flawed from a temporary perspective, then you're going to have a hard time living life normally afterwards. Hence why the only part of what I do that is not sustainable is the deficit itself, because by nature you can't live in a deficit forever because you eventually won't live, and of course the tracking side of things which I touched on earlier, the tools basically that we use. You don't hammer a nail into a wall, hang a picture and then walk around the rest of your life with a hammer in your hand. You put it back in the toolbox and that's exactly what we do with calorie tracking apps. They are used to educate, they're used to hold accountable, and used as data reference of course but in due course when the client is ready or i believe the client is ready we will begin to phase out these metrics because otherwise like i said you're walking around the rest of your life with a hammer so there we go the reason your diet is shit because you're not going to stick to it and if you do stick to it you're not going to then stick to it which means you're going to regain you're dieting basically It's shit because you're missing the wood through the trees in terms of the simple science that is needed to be applied to achieve said results. But you're not really taking accountability for the reason you gain weight in the first place. The reason your diet is shit is because you're focused on a framework to fix your life rather than looking at your habits and that long list of things that I mentioned about 35 seconds ago. So that's it. Hopefully you enjoyed that one. Appreciate you guys giving up probably the longest podcast I've done, actually. 35 minutes so far of your time. Hopefully it's been useful. Hopefully it's been entertaining. And whether you knew all these things, whether you didn't and you've had a light bulb moment, then, like I said, I hope that the time spent listening to my annoying voice has been well spent. Folks, I'm going to bid you adieu. I will see you on episode 82. That wasn't meta rhyme. Uh, And obviously... I think it's incredibly important that when we're looking at your diet, 
when we're looking at the framework you use, the principle you apply and the way in which you apply it is probably the better way of putting it. And obviously looking back at all of the things that you've done, the way you conduct yourself and those relationships that I spoke to you about and how you've lived your life to gain it, it's incredibly important to recognize the elements that you can control. To have the courage to change the things that you can and of course the wisdom to know the difference. See you next time. Thanks very much. Toodles.